Izzo is the goat of sappy moments. Mel Tucker's making it rain with small bills? John Beeline doesn't want to coach in the NBA anymore, and his exit was anything but sluggish. We preview the games ahead and take your Twitter questions. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves to Wolverines Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined, as always, by the man who showers in his swimsuit, Kevin Greck. And, folks, thank you, of course, for listening. If we could ask a slight favor, though, please give the show a retweet, share it with the Spartans in your life, and follow us on the old Twitter machine, at Spartan underscore pod. Of course, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Kevin, fun fact, uh, you're familiar with the Green Room podcast, right? Uh, Yes, the esteemed podcast from uh, the Detroit News, of course. Esteemed. Uh, yes, with uh, Matt Charbonneau and Tony Paul, our favorite villain here. But, uh, you know, for a long time, uh, we had both more ratings and a higher rating number than, uh, the, than the folks at the Green Room. We've, uh, we're still crushing them on the old five-star metric. Mm. But they have a few more, review, uh, a few more uh, ratings than we do. So... Folks, uh, we are better. mother is probably very happy to see that. Yes, yes. Uh, and I think Tony Paul's mother is still ambivalent. But folks, if we could ask a slight favor, if you could give it a review, preferably five stars, uh, we would really appreciate it. And if you want to share a few comments, uh, my mom likes to read them. So do do whatever you want there. It, it, it brings me joy. <laughs> this is your opportunity from your lips to Mrs. Jones ears. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Say what you will. Uh, and, and I, it, it remind me to get back to, uh, how I need to atone for my sins a little bit later in the podcast, but before, uh, we get into the show, do you want to let you know that Can't Read, Can't Write is of course presented to you by Fraser's Pub in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on Packard Street, and Kevin, I think if you and I were to grab a, a beverage, grab a bite, uh, there's no better place in my mind than Fraser's Pub to do that. No, no, of course not. Especially in the Ann Arbor area. What else are you going to do? You gonna go to Zingerman's? No, pass. Pass. Ain't nobody got time for that. Or ain't the nobody scratch. Got the scratch. Yeah. I Excellent. Mean, Look at I, us. I I I don't know if it still exists. I did enjoy a, a Babs Underground back in the day, but I will tell you what: Babs Underground overrun with students and I, I, we're PG thirteen here. We'll just say shenanigans there. If you want a bar that is. Uh, Everything you want out of a sports bar without the shenanigans of of U of M students, uh, then Fraser's Pub is the place to be. It has a solid, rotating, seasonal, high end, like uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A craft selection of uh, beers on tap. Beautiful, great specials, and every month they have a beer of the month special which is where you can get a 23-ounce for the same price as a pint. Currently this month, it is Bell's Lighthearted Ale, which we would like to remind everyone is only 110 calories and, quote-unquote, incredibly easy drinking. And, of course, on Mondays, if you want to swing into Frasier's, you can get a uh, third of a pound or third-pound burger with fries for only $5.99. So combo that with your easy-drinking Lighthearted Ale. And you got a solid meal there, Kevin. Yeah, you got a, you got a stew going. You're cooking. 
Uh, yes. I would, uh, a couple things, a couple notes. One, as of last fall, Babs Underground does still exist, though uh, I don't think they have food. I don't think I've ever eaten there. Not the uh, moment to plug. I regret and, it immediately mentioning another bar in Ann Arbor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was difficult. Uh, and two, the showering in my swimsuit, those are cutoffs. Thank you very much. I didn't know I was going to get outed today on the podcast, but I would point out that there are dozens of us never <laughs> thank you very much and uh we can move on we can how does the how does the show get structured michael jones walk me through yes uh as we're getting back into our regularly scheduled format um the uh, the show is is broken down as such first we we go into a segment we call the green wall where we cover the headlines and news from msu sports over the preceding week uh, then we, of course, go off Grand River to talk about some of the headlines going on in college sports, sometimes pro, but usually college, um, around the nation. And then we head to your Twitter questions and, of course, wrap the show up with a preview of the games ahead. Sprinkled in between are your not a sponsors. That is, they're not real, uh, whereas Frazier's is a real sponsor. And uh, Kevin, I are leaving like we, the real sponsors and going into the not real sponsors. <laughs> yes, uh, I do feel like um, we we should say up front. Last week, we addressed the fact that I I brought a, a terrapin into my home. Yeah. And uh, and big mistake. Like a, like a vampire, he cost us a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and several people have proposed atonement on my part for that. Yes. Mortal sin. Uh, there was a Bud Light well seltzer and a uh, final absolution proposed by uh, someone near and dear in your life, I believe. Indeed. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so do you I like have how they're thoughts? alcohol themed? Well, I, do you have any thoughts on what my atonement should be or should we uh, give it, give the folks another week? Because I have an early morning appointment tomorrow that I, I unfortunately have to stick to my high life for tonight. Um, we'll give it another week. week. We'll see what else we collect, and then we'll uh, we'll get you blasted with <laughs> final absolutions and Bud Light seltzers. Indeed, we'll you know what time. we'll do? We will put it out until Thursday. People can put their comments to us on Twitter. That's at Spartan underscore Pod, and then we'll put a survey out for the weekend. And on Monday, I'm all in. I'm all in on go. what on what the people say. So, with that, Kevin, let's go behind the green wall. Be yes. Let's, uh, I know it's basketball season, but the scuttlebutt is there's some stuff happening in football. So football leads. Let's be honest. Football is almost always going to lead. Maybe if there was spectacularly good news and basketball, which I think you should temper how good the news was from that Nebraska game. Uh, let's kick it off with football. I think that's the best place to start. Yeah. So, um, let's talk coaches first. You know, obviously, Mel Tucker, new coach for Michigan State, has to hire some assistant coaches. Uh, we're going to run down, you know, we covered some of these last week, but I'm just going to run down some of the highlights of who's been hired so far. Um, first is Ron Burton coming back uh, to coach the D-line. Mike Tressel, former defensive coordinator and linebackers coach in a role yet to be determined. Mm-hmm. presumably on defense um harlan barnett former co co-defensive coordinator and defensive backs coach is back in the green and white and former michigan state player yep. for that matter boomstick uh, yep boomstick is back to coach dbs again 
It's kind of funny how everyone, a lot of players wanted him for head coach, but we got him for defensive DBs. <laughs> it's okay. Continuing. Um, Courtney Hawkins, former wide receiver who has been the athletic director at uh, Flint, Flint Beecher and uh, their head football coach is made a, let's get into it, a giant step up and is now coaching at the collegiate level for the first time, coaching the wide receivers. What, what are your thoughts on that hire? My understanding is that there are other MSU alumni coaching receiver positions at Mac schools and other mid-majors that would have liked that job. So I am a little bit surprised that uh, I'm not taking a shot at Courtney Hawkins. I don't think you can evaluate him right now, though. Uh, yeah, he he got a lot of a lot of kudos on that hire. I mean, there were a lot of people who said that's a smart hire. You know, who are in sort of the high school community. Okay, that that were excited about it. So, I mean, in my understanding of of coaching positions, maybe wide receivers is the easier of them. Um, and that so that this may be a flat out a recruiting. Recruit- Type of hire yes okay i mean uh, I, I you're right this we need to see how it plays out I, i'm just I don't, merely saying i mean does msu need his connections in the state of michigan to recruit the state i mean i don't well i mean how's it been going lately well that's true but just changing the guard should change i mean there there is not a huge amount of football talent coming out of flint i mean there's basketball talent still coming out of flint but Wins. So this is an Izzo hire, is what you're saying? Yeah, uh, we'll we'll see. Courtney Hawkins, uh, I'm happy to have him on board. Yes, but we'll we'll see. Uh, it, it's a TBD on that one, much like Mike Tressel. Just you know. Um, so the interesting one, I think, and we have a question about it later on, so we won't we won't belabor it here. But is Ted Gilmore, who's coming from Whiskey, Wisconsin? Uh, he was the passing game coordinator there and the wide receiver coach who's coming to Michigan State to coach tight ends. Um, so this I mean, is the only non MSU or Colorado affiliated coaching hire, correct? He is. Yes. Um, In effect. Right. And it, you can say to a degree is still within a Mel truck Tucker tree in that, you know, he played at Wisconsin. So, you know, presumably he kept ties there in some capacity. Okay. I, I would expect. Um, so yeah, it, it is an immediate network. It's not a go out and get uh, someone with the Brinks truck hire, though this one may well have been the Brinks truck. Uh, Jay Johnson, who we covered is going to be uh, coming from Colorado as the offensive coordinator and QB coach. The uh, the one that's interesting coming from Colorado is Ross Ells. I think I have that right. Mm-hmm. Who coached inside linebackers and uh, was the special teams coordinator at um, at Colorado. I don't know a ton about him other than uh, you can only upgrade our special teams if we're being honest. Yeah, it, special teams has been lacking for several years. I mean, I I think the last time I remember an exciting special teams play. Beyond trick plays, yeah, is <laughs> the uh, the Big Ten Championship against Wisconsin with the run back? Uh, was it Keyshawn Martin who yeah. ran back? Yeah, that, my guy Keyshawn was, Martin is, I think, about it. it that, we've been searching for Keyshawn Martin since Keyshawn Martin, so yeah, it's not yeah. been a great run. Uh, and then the exciting one that there was a lot of clamoring for is Darian Harris, obviously, uh, you know, former linebacker for Michigan State. 
who uh, flirted with the Canadian Football League for a while. Yeah, but has a, a ton of respect. Uh, he coached uh, at the high school level. Um, he's coming on as the director of player engagement. Super, super engaging guy who, you know, is well-respected alum among alum. Presumably, you know, given his age, will be able to relate and identify with players very easily um, and, and can connect with a championship era of, of MSU. So I think that's a really smart hire. This is like your Tum Tum Naren type of hire. Like very recent alumni, well liked by the alumni base, will be well respected by the players bringing in, and we'll just kind of keep things in line. It, this is a good bridge from the culture of the old regime to the new regime. So you got to be happy with this hire. Yeah. And so, you know, I, it seems like what's going on right now is, you know, some connections to the past, um, some connections to the future with, with some of the Colorado staff that's coming in. Um, I believe there were three spots still left open. And what I'm not seeing here is $6 million worth of coaching staff. <laughs> yeah. That, that I mean, is... can we just say that explicitly? Cause we know that Trestle was making about five. We know that Ron Burton was making less than that. We don't know what Harlan Barnett is get, coming in to get paid as, but we know what MSU used to have him for. Courtney Hawkins is just coming to the game for the first time. Ted Gilmore had to get hired away, so presumably that's some money. Jay Johnson was a offensive coordinator at a much smaller school, relatively. So even if you give him a boost, which I'm sure he's getting, um, that doesn't account for it. If, he's getting, seeing, if Jay Johnson's getting more than six, I'm alarmed. I'm right? I'm seeing like $3 million in payroll right here. And so we still need a DC. Yep. We still need a running backs coach. Okay. Um, and I'm trying to think of what am I missing here? I mean, Some it others. depends. It depends on how you want to distribute these things. I mean, and, and I, then one other coach. We don't what have do defensive line coaching going on yet. We don't yeah, have offensive line coaching. Ron, Ron Burton. Burton. And, oh, yeah, and, and then um, the guy they brought up from uh, the the guy they brought from over from um, Colorado, who I don't have in the list uh, for the offensive line that we covered last week. Okay, um, Kaplovic, Kaplovic, who oh, okay. is, is supposed to be legit, who turned down like an offer from Auburn this past year. Okay, so I, I assume he's getting some money. I I assume he's getting paid, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he brought their line from, in terms of sacks allowed from 11th in the Pac-12 to second. So, uh, I assume he's got some dollars coming to his name, but. Unless, uh, our friend Mel Tucker's throwing around money for the sake of throwing it around, I'm not seeing $6 million in Yeah, point well yet. taken. Point well taken. Uh, so, and the fact that Trussell's still TBD tells me that. Uh, Tucker's still sniffing around for a defensive coordinator. I bet he's getting half a mil. So if he ends up being a position coach, he'll get half a mil. If he ends up being defensive coordinator, he'll get a bump. Yeah. Which is just, it's good for Mike Trussell. <laughs> yeah. Get a little extra for the job you're going to do anyway. Yep. Um, so speaking of, of people coming back to Michigan State, uh, let's talk about some other news. Uh, we, Connor Hayward. We seem to have two buses passing in the night. 
Yes. Is it fair to say? Yeah. Uh, Connor Hayward coming back to the program and Jacob Panashuk, it's not official, but seems to have left the team. Um, he, you know, tweeted when we discussed it a couple weeks ago that um, if former linebacker coach Chuck Bolo was not back, then he would not be back. Um, his Instagram account, I've heard, uh, has uh, has him in Illinois right now while MSU is going through strength and conditioning training. It would seem he's left the team. Uh, so let's start with Hayward. Yeah. Where are you at on this one? So I, I want to state explicitly from the top, we have no insider information on either of these guys. We're entirely the outside looking in. But Connor Hayward was a guy that was started the year, presumed starter at running back, and then got passed on the depth chart. And shortly after he got passed, he entered the uh, transfer portal. Jacob Panashuk was at times starter at defensive end. Was it, was that a function of injury or was he always meant to be starter? Yeah, he's, he was the starter. Yeah. Definitely a bigger piece to the defensive uh, scheme than counter Hayward ended up being on the offensive side of the ball. So counter Hayward, you have a, a case here where he was passed up. We debated this in the early days of can't read, can't write at length. Uh, and got to the point where he decided to take his ball and leave the team, enter the portal. And now he's coming back. It's not clear in what capacity because those other running backs that passed him up are still on scholarship. Uh, he does have pretty soft hands. So maybe he moves into sort of like an age back type role, or maybe he sheds some weight and goes out on the, out in the wide receivers. Uh, he's not particularly large. He's I don't know. He's, he's bigger than your standard running back, but um, not not big enough he's to be a tight tall. end. Yeah, he's not yeah, big enough to be a tight end. Certainly not big enough to be a tight end. Uh, and I don't think, I mean, he did okay in the pass blocking. That was a place where MSU got hurt when the freshman had to pick up the slack on pass blocking as a result of uh, kind of hurry, but Hayward leaving. But he bailed. I mean, let's be frank. He left the team. And now. Mel Tucker has talked him into returning. Whereas Jake Panashuk takes to Twitter. We don't know what happened after that. Sticking up for a coach that was being fired, a coach that he cares about. I think we talked about this as well at the time. And I think my position was, yeah, he's a young man. He's got this platform. It's a, everyone's very uh, emotional right now. And he said something and he deleted it soon after he posted it originally. Correct. Yeah, well, so let me ask you this because I, you know, I I heard some arguments about you know Jacob Panashuk not being able to get a pass, um, and you know the one that stuck out to me, which you had a convincing counter argument to, which is why I, I I bring it up, was that you know there were there were analogies to you know what if you were an intern at Ernst and Young, or you know what if you t- tweeted that about your boss, or you know sort of something confrontational to your boss, and you rightly pointed out, which I would agree with that this isn't a job they're not paid no. and yeah. uh and it's not even comparable to an internship because for a great number of these players this isn't going to get them experience that gets them somewhere in their career because it's not applicable to a career so it, it, they're not really comparable but you know there are 
80 some other players on the team who all didn't tweet something. So it was just him. Well, so, one, it's not like he took a direct shot at Mel Tucker as a coach. He was defending a position coach that was, he's still not hired. Assume, let's assume that, that uh, Chuck Bulla is no longer a member of the, the coaching staff. So Chuck Bulla is looking for a job right now. Uh, and you here have a player vouching for him. I don't think that's the worst thing that ever happened, especially when one considers that counter Hayward, it, you could interpret some of his tweets over the course of the year. And I don't think that we engaged in this as a, as throwing some shade to borrow a phrase, uh, Mm -hmm. at the team. Mm -hmm. He seemed to delight a couple of times in MSU losses. So I, if I had a choice between these two gentlemen, again, having only outsider information, I think I would choose Jacob Panashuk, right? Yeah, I, I do think if I was Mel Tucker, I would have, and presumably, I, I presume anyway, he did, I would have called him in and said, look, man, I'm really sorry. that I know this is a lot of change. And it's not necessarily what you signed up for, but I'm here for you and I'm here for the Spartans, but you, you can't be, you can't be questioning the head coach. Certainly can't be doing it in public. So where are we at? Mm -hmm. And I, I would have attempted to handle it maybe in house. Maybe I would have even asked him to, to tweet something in clarification, but Either way, I would have given him an opportunity to come back. I hope Mel Tucker did that, and I have no reason to believe that he didn't. He doesn't strike me as someone who's like, you're gone, um, without at least sitting down with the dude or offering to sit down with him. So I, I hope that happened and, and that Panashuk just took his ball and ran home. I, you know, I, I don't know. And maybe we're wrong because we're going off of an Instagram account thing. And who knows? Maybe he is back. No, social media is the one truth. And uh... (laughs) I mean, maybe he's taken some time off and has been offered to take some time off to see what he wants to do. Who knows? But um, even still, that's not really a great look. But to your point, this Connor Hayward thing is a little weird to me because he did tweet some shade, as you described it, and um, and left when we. When we needed some depth and some senior leadership, we have three running backs who are all in the same class who didn't need to be because he left. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy. I guess you're back in the green and white. But in my mind, I hope that what you did has been atoned for with the team, I guess is the best way of, of saying it. I'm, I'm not certainly not going to stop rooting for you. And at, at the time you left, we wished you all the best. And it's continue. also worth pointing out that uh, I never heard a whole lot about schools coming after Connor Hayward. I don't know yep. what his options were. Well, we we also talked about that when all of this was going down, that that, you know, that there was this idea that was sort of sexy and caught fire within the locker room of, oh, I'll just transfer. There's this transfer portal. And that maybe just maybe there would be lessons learned about how dispensable you are yeah and maybe connor hayward learned a harsh lesson that he didn't have much to bring certainly nothing on film i mean i'm not being mean when i 
if we all objectively looked at it, the best thing he could offer was pass protection. Mm-hmm. And so what team's going to pick you up to be a third down back? I'm sure there's many lower tier programs than Connor Hayward is accustomed to believing that he would play for that might've been willing to, you know, have him on board. But uh, this could be a case where Connor Hayward was not impressed with the options that were offered with him and decided to come back to the program and mea culpa. I don't know. We might not know for a while. I, I've not seen anything really other than his social media post about this, right? We we haven't seen anything in the media. We haven't seen anything in the no. various. Yeah. So we'll find out someday how all of this went down. but. I think it is the position of this podcast that Connor Hayward has something to prove. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, and I know that goes against the enthusiasm that's out there on Twitter, but uh, sorry, not sorry. It's know? funny because Twitter wanted him gone before yeah. he left. <laughs> yeah. um, so, Kevin, I'm going to go ahead and crack a beer because oh. let's get positive here for a second oh. and, and talk a little bit about recruiting. Cause that's right, because all this is about recruiting. <laughs> You know, folks, if you've listened to the pod, we love discussing 17-year-old boys. Mel Tucker is making a run of those boys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he has offered in what? How long has he been here? Two weeks? Mm-hmm. It's been a I, hell of a two weeks, man. <laughs> he, he has offered three different quarterbacks. One four-star out of California. One three-star out of California. High three-star. And one three-star, high three-star out of Texas. Um, and that's for the 2021 class. And made an offer to someone in the 2022 class, which, my God, I don't know that I recall Michigan State doing that. Yeah. I, this does not really fit in the Mark Antonio mode of... Uh, we're going to be talking about John Beeline a lot on this podcast, uh, this particular episode as well. Uh, John Beeline famously had a whole process for, like, the number of steps that you have to go through. Mark D'Antonio was a little bit less than that, but still there was, you know, he was very discerning with the offers that he put out. Does not appear to be the case right now with Mel Tucker. No, no, no. So I, I think it's really exciting. Um, What's notable about all those quarterback offers is they're all dual threat, which makes sense with um, what we know about the offense. Uh, that is offensive coordinator Jay Johnson likes to run, which is sort of a, a spread derivative of a an option offense. So a lot of RPO. Um, it's a it's a run first offense with a spread, and you need a mobile quarterback to operate it. That's right, because but, you don't just do RPO anymore. You have to specify run or pass first option. Yes. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I, I think it's important here as we get excited about this wave of uh, recruiting that's happening that we make a pledge not to be like Michigan and not next year's guys. Next year's guys got us not do the basketball thing where we're always looking ahead to the next year, because especially in football, guys aren't playing right away for the most part. Most people aren't able to get into the game right away. They're, they're not of size. And so let's, uh, particularly with all the recruiting fervor, let's tone it down 
your expectations for next year, as we covered last week, should be the same as they were under Mark D'Antonio. It is his players, after all. And the year after, keep those expectations tempered. Be excited when think- good things happen, but look for look for the the distinguishing features, right, of this being a more exciting team than what you had seen before. Would you agree, Kevin? I agree. And should we uh, acknowledge the criticism out there of, oh, look at all these MSU fans that are all of a sudden into, like, Twitter stars. What happened to not caring, not Twitter stars, uh, recruiting stars. What happened to not caring about recruiting? That was a function of Mark D'Antonio and, for a while, the proven results of recruiting on paper, lower caliber guys, and then getting big results out of them. That was what MSU fans were about when they didn't care about recruiting stars under Mark D'Antonio. This and is a, a different group with different expectations and different results for recruiting. So that's why MSU used to say those things about recruiting. Go ahead. It, well, and I would just add that, it, you know, I would still maintain let's not get hung up on the the offer sheet or the stars necessarily of any one particular player and and say that's what they're going to be because of X. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. Kenny Willekes is a perfect example of someone who didn't have meaningful offers and I don't think had any stars who's now being seriously considered as, uh, you know, as I think a third round pick in the NFL draft, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, at the same time, or Kirk Cousins, Jack who, Conklin, Le'Veon you, Bell. Yes, you can name them off, and so don't don't belittle an individual because of what they are. Or look at uh, Jordan Simmons, our, our most recent commit, uh, or you know signed commit, which is someone who's a three star, but had offers from uh, LSU and Georgia. You can't tell me that, oh, he's, you know, that a three-star, like, we don't care about that because it's not a four- or five-star. That's preposterous. So the fact of the matter is, though, that if you have a ton of four- and five-stars, odds are going to play out in your favor. <laughs> but yeah. don't let's not write off individual players, particularly as Mel Tucker is getting things up and running, and particularly for the class that was just signed. Like, Continue to be fans. Continue to be excited. Uh, and and some of them, like Noah Kim, who who knows if he sticks around, but dude doesn't lose. He had an injury, which kind of tanked his star rating, but dude doesn't lose. So, is this a new Connor Cook? Is he a gamer? Maybe. I mean, gamer. Or, well, Connor Cook just needs to get into a game. Anyway, yeah. let's move on because it's not football season. Uh, let's move on to some basketball, and it it feels weird only having one game to talk about, but uh, we do. Kevin, we played Nebraska in a place that should be called the barn. I don't know why Minnesota gets to call it the barn. Nebraska it's because Nebraska's be got a, a newish stadium. Did they build a new one or did they fully, you know, redo an existing facility? Uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Neither of us have been there. Neither of us probably ever will. <laughs> yeah, no. What's no. important is that little Jack Hoiberg got to get his first career start in front of friends and family in his dad's new home where his dad coaches now that's the most important thing yep 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 uh i did like uh as a starter bricks a three but then he gets a board and dishes it to cash 
Who then so, gets a three. Who then gets the three. So that I was like, oh, man. And then boom, board, boom, dime, boom, three. Not bad. Redeemed himself. Pretty good. <laughs> but that I mean, first half overall, not what you wanted to see. No, 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 no. Uh, you know, it, it, Michigan State uh, left the half leading 39 to 36. Um, the, the turnovers were, uh, it was like coronavirus out there, man. Uh, mm. 22 Topical. turnovers. Yeah. <laughs> this will hold up well, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, uh, 22 turnovers in the game. It was not great. The first half was ugly on turnovers. And I, I you know, I, I would say, I guess if I had to stick up for MSU is that uh, Nebraska is the only team that wants to run with them. Yeah. In, in defense of Nebraska, I guess in tip of the cap that they're like, you know what you want to run, we'll run. And I, I think MSU is not accustomed to team saying, let's get into it. Yeah. So there's your tip of the cap. My wag of the finger would be, look what happens to you in the second half. Yeah. MSU got the, got the kinks worked out. Yeah. Uh, turnovers continued though i mean there were some just ridiculous turnovers in the second half but then all of a sudden gabe gabraham comes back all of a sudden gabe's a dude again all of a sudden aaron henry is not just spot up shooting anymore he's slashing into the lanes he's getting to the hoop he's zero stepping uh what is it with msu role players not caring about big games and then coming alive in little games like I can't get excited about this. I know that game that Gabe had a career night. I know that he really helped the team out. I just can't get that excited about this. You're supposed to win on the road against Nebraska. Do this next week at Maryland and I'll be impressed. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I I think the only reason to be excited is that, you know, maybe Gabe was in a funk after his illness and, and this was important for him working it out. But you know, uh, as elated as I was after the Illinois win, which, you know, when you when you take a few sober moments to realize what actually happened, yeah. not that exciting. Yeah. Um, but this was. You know, look, the the defense could have been better in the first half, but this was as complete of a sort of offensive performance from the team aside for the maybe the first five minutes of the game. Yeah. Five to seven, maybe. Um that we've seen out of this team though notably the slow starts a thing again i think that's just the team at this point that's just something that you're going to remember about the 2019 2020 msu spartans basketball team they get off to slow starts and they struggle to win when they have the opportunity late in the second half there are like five or six big 10 games where they just had opportunities that they didn't take advantage of. Um, and I guess you could say in Illinois, they kind of did, but what's his name tripped with the ball. Like you can't expect that that would happen all the time. It's entirely possible that if he didn't fault buckle his knee, that that game could have gone differently. You, You can't rely on a freak occurrence like that. So I, I'm happy for the team. I'm happy for Gabe Brown. Shots started falling to a degree. I I can't get that excited about a road win against North against Nebraska right now. Uh, I can get excited. Um, speaking of tender moments and excitement, Xavier Tillman 
got another yeah. boxing baby boy, yeah. right? Till yeah. Xavier, Xavier, Xavier Jr. Jr. Yeah, Xavier Justice Tillman. Justice. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Um, I will just also say that because we mentioned it uh, maybe last week, maybe it was the week before, that MSU seems to have bad luck with players coming alive. And in the first half, uh, Burke, who I think was a 25% three-point shooter uh, on the year, goes four for six. Like, that's still, there's still something going on there that MSU has not been able to contain, and -hmm. I don't know what that is. But do know we're about ready to leave Big Ten play. Yeah. And so... You know, we'll find out how good the Big Ten actually is pretty quickly. And there's something to getting away from teams that know you very well um, and having to play some people that don't see you, uh, you know, a couple few times a year. That, yeah. That is to be looked forward to. Ken Palm, we've got nine MSU, 10 Maryland, 11 Michigan, 12 Ohio State. We don't have Michigan on the list here, but they're having a bit of a hot girl summer at the moment. Yeah. Um, Penn State 20, Iowa 22. They come to Breslin on Tuesday. Purdue 25. They're not, not going to be in the tournament, right? Am I wrong about that? Uh, Illinois 29. So it remains tempo-free stats. It remains the case that the Big Ten is well represented up in those high single digits, low teens type area. Um, that has not changed. Put that in perspective. Teams like Seton Hall are 19. Um this Oregon team that has been making some waves 24. Um, where's Dayton? Dayton is up to six. Oh, wow. Yeah, dude. Dayton's they, legit. They're good on offense, man. They can cook. Yeah. Um, well let's, uh, let's get ready to head off Grand River before we do Kevin. I think we have a word from a, not a sponsor. We sure do Mike this week's episode. Now, there was a real uh, sponsor before. This is a not a sponsor. This week's episode of Can't Read, Can't Write is not brought to you by Craigslist Classifieds. Craigslist is the place to go to find high-end talent. So let's say you're a sports reporter covering Michigan and Michigan State in a large newspaper in Detroit, and you're on deadline. <laughs> in spite of the stories all around you, you just can't come up with anything to write. Well then, hop on Craigslist and post an ad under the category blue wall (laughs) there you'll find very successful very relevant coaches who will say whatever you want all kinds of crazy garbage about msu's new football (laughs) coach and while you're at it you can find some rando to actually write the article for you as well because let's be honest that's how that read so can't read can't write detroit sports rags the blue wall Craigslist classifieds. Thanks oh man, I, you know we we named our Greenwall segment sort of jokingly. Um, I don't I don't know how big of a subscriber you were to the Blue Wall theory, but lately, lately I'm starting to become more convinced. I I know that everyone that writes for the LSJ or the Free Press or whomever it claims that it it doesn't exist, it's not real. But I the fact think... that the Freep didn't post the uh, jeff jackson story for a while yeah after Uh, there is an element of it for sure you can't tell me who's driving readership 
and then yeah. that doesn't factor into things. But anyway, let's head off Grand River and actually start with uh, the University of Michigan. Yeah. Do you want to you want to just sort of do your PSA? Yeah. Um, so for those who don't know, the University of Michigan, un- unfortunately and, and tragically, is uh, and that's all sincerity is 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 going through um, a bit of their own scandal right now because uh, it ends up being that there was a, a doctor who had been working in their student health center um, who was molesting people um, who was then transferred to their football program and may well have been molesting people there as well. Uh, that doctor served under multiple coaches' tenures. It seems like the university has known about this for maybe 50 years. Um, there were reports to the police department. It, 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 is, it is all sorts of sad and, and tragic and reprehensible. And we just want to say to the Wolverines who might be listening to our podcast that we're really sorry because we know this doesn't reflect who you are as people or what you believe about your institution. And that as far as we're concerned, that the, 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 the tragedies that happen to individuals are out of bounds when it comes to rivalry. And so while we continue to talk smack about your university, this will not be an area that you will hear a peep from us. And that we have nothing but love and support for you and for the victims and, and for your university trying to traverse this trying and sensitive time. Um, and that we hope that uh, everyone is able to heal and that the appropriate steps are taken by your administration. God knows we have complaints with our administration and how they handled things at our university. And so we do hope that uh, MSU has at least written a playbook for what not to do and that things um, are resolved in a, um, as, as best they can be for U of M. And so, uh, Greg, if you've got anything you want to add, that's what I would like to say about it. I would resist the urge to hire John Engler if it comes up (laughs) and, uh, go green. will crush you in sports, but, uh, we are genuinely, um, we're, we're, we're sorry on multiple fronts that this is just sad. And so, um, yeah. Uh, so that's all we want to say about that. And uh, you can bet your britches that if we see a single Spartan uh, talking trash about this, they will get called out and um, and get no respect from this podcast. So uh, with that, Kevin, let's lead to a lighter story. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's no good segue from that. So, so we're going like pure zany. Carolina yeah. Hurricanes. You yeah. wouldn't believe her. Their goalie is now. <laughs> yeah. So I don't remember actually where they were playing, but this story is just too good to not bring up. So the Hurricanes are down in a game, and both their starter and backup goalie go down to injury. Mm-hmm. And so they're on the road, and they have to hire the Zamboni driver for the, their opponent to play goalie for them. And they win. <laughs> Who? How much does he get paid? Do you know? Uh, I th- there's I gotta think... be like a game minimum or something like that. I think it was five hundred dollars, but let me hold on. It's gotta be more than that, right? It's gotta be. Whatever. I'm more interested in what does the depth chart look like for the Zamboni driver? 
Like, <laughs> does he drop the pads in between? Like, what period was it that he actually came out on the ice? All right, so it was against uh, the Maple Leaves, and he... Um, uh, oh, the, all right, so in fairness, the Maple Leaves employ him. He's 42, and the Maple Leaves employ him as a practice goalie. Ah, there you go. And Zamboni driver... And for uh, for them and their age, AHL affiliates. So there are some really bad teams that like if you scout the Leafs, you're like, oh, God, we can't stop them. There's a guy in the building <laughs> whose job it is to <laughs> stop them during practice. Throw him 500 bucks or whatever. Put him in the game. See how it works out. <laughs> oh, he only yeah, he only gets five hundred dollars. Uh Oh, my God, that's so sad. I, I hope the players tipped him. I, I, I just like put a little extra in his pads for him There's, yes absolutely oh my god anyway the the story is just it's too cool to not mention right i mean like that's a it's a moment you it's almost a borderline moment that that is the the make of a movie right yes it's like a sure. so, sort of rudy sort of a thing marky mark's gonna be playing this guy and uh Actually, if you, if you pull up his picture, that's not that crazy. Yeah. Um, What's really funny is that Leafs fans are going to have to like watch him drive the Zamboni, the Zamboni for the rest of the year. <laughs> like, oh, that guy beat us. Boo. He beat us at a game earlier this year. Um, so that's lovely. So uh, we said some nice things about Michigan. Let's dunk on him now. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Actually, I, I think it's funny seeing how the fan bases have reacted to this. Of course, we're, we're moving to John Beeline news at this point. Yes. Do you want to do you want to in case members of our listening audience are not aware? Do you want to set the, the backstory for this? I, I will give the million mile view. On That's this. all we need. Uh, John Beeline, former head coach for Michigan uh, basketball, uh, left at bad timing, uh, sort of D'Antonio esque timing. Yeah. We made Um, that, we, we made that comparison. Uh, and, um, headed to the Cleveland Cavaliers and, um, did not do well. Uh, I think is the best way of saying it did not even last a season there. Got no respect from the players and this tumultuous relationship seemed to have, really broken down when he allegedly called them uh said that they were they were playing like a bunch of thugs which if true could certainly um be taken as at least not racially sensitive i think is the best way of saying it um and we've of course made jokes that john beeline claims he said slugs um and that they misheard him or something um but Long story short, didn't last a whole season. Uh, players apparently did not care for him, did not care for what he expected out of them in practice, did not care for the fact that he expected them to practice fundamentals, like a bounce pass. Um, so that's where John Beeline is, recently fired from the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, in a Well, it's it's amicable. actually more of an amicable split, yeah. So just to Wait, dial well, in. Actually, hold on. Did you hear what Charles Barkley uh, said about that? I did not see. No, oh, his his uh, his someone pointed that out to him after he said he was fired. And uh, he said, no, when black people leave, it's because they were fired. When white people leave, it was because of an amicable split. <laughs> I, I mean, was... if he here's the difference, though, if he were fired, 
the Cavs would be on the hook for a lot more money to him. What ended up happening is he negotiated some kind of buyout for some percentage of his uh, salary the rest of the year. So it, with all due respect to Chuck, uh, I think it is more accurate to say an, an amicable type of split. But the joke was solid and yes, not for sure. totally off point and in, in what he was saying. So the plan bringing him into the Cavaliers was John Beeline has a history. I think we could acknowledge an established history of developing players. And John's job was to help this Cavaliers rebuild that actually hadn't even really started uh, at the time that John was hired. The problem is, and there's conflicting reports on this. There's conflicting, like, people will say different things. The problem is there are elements of that Cavaliers team that don't have a huge interest in being developed. And John Beeline, I think, took the arrogant step of assuming that he was just going to walk into an NBA uh, locker room and start, you know, getting him to run his sets and getting him to hustle up all the time and getting him to do this and getting him to do that. And that's not how the NBA works. If if it's true, the reports are true that John Beagleine was tired at Michigan of recruiting guys and developing them and then seeing them split for the league as soon as he was starting to get real production out of them. I don't understand how he thought it was going to be less a problem. Those like guys acting in their own self-interest type element in the league. The league is more acting in your own self-interest, especially on bad teams than it is acting in the team interest at times. Uh, so I, I thought this was only going to work if all parties were acknowledged that this was going to be a long and, and tough road and John Beeline probably wouldn't be there for when the Cavaliers start winning in several years. If that ever ends up happening, I don't think there's any reason to think that it would. Um, I'm not surprised that this experiment failed. I think you have to be shocked at how quickly it failed, though, right? Yeah, uh, not not surprised at all that it failed. I, I mean, it, he he's the system guy. Yeah, like, and 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 so you know, as much as he may be sort of media adverse and and sort of demur in his in his personality mm, and approach, demur the the dude. It's it is about him, right? I mean, and there's there's no shortage of ego involved in that and no. and I don't mean that to be disrespectful god knows that I am plenty egotistical dude you guys should hear our our discussions before these podcasts like oh man anyway continue yeah, so I, I i just I'm not surprised that a guy who wanted to come in and run a beeline system you know in a you know a pro environment where it, it it glorifies um individuals over team by and large mm-hmm. um not shocked by that so i was alarmed when i started seeing media reports uh, pointing out that beeline sets were no longer being run and they were sort of just doing a standard 
NBA motion offense. I was like, oh, huh. Well, sure. You could say that that's a result of the personnel. Um, I think that's a bad sign, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so let's very, very briefly speculate on where John Beeline may end up next. Because I think it's he's going back to college basketball, right? That dude's not done. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. he's older he's on the older end and he there are some personal things going on uh patrick beeline was fired from niagara earlier this year for niagara. personal reasons uh which i think would be speculative for us to say on here but there are rumors out there if you want to go track those down um niagara. yes and uh yeah i don't think he's done i assume that there are already college teams many of whom have coaches that don't realize it are reaching out through the back channels to see what's going on with john beeline whether he's willing to come back yeah so uh people are chatting texas right i don't Um, i mean i'm not going to be surprised if shaka gets the boot but i will be surprised if john beeline ends up there uh, the other one that's interesting to me that I heard floated is, uh, does Indiana cut bait on Archie and bring in Beeline? I would if I were them, but I think it's more likely that he ends up somewhere East Coasty. I don't think he'd have a problem with going to the Big Ten. I'm just gonna bet because he's been a Michigan guy for a long time, but he was full East Coast before that, so, um. I think he's going to end up at some kind of ACC team or like maybe you think, even you think he goes power five. Yeah, I think he might even end up at the ACC team in Indiana because I don't respect Mike Bray and I don't understand how he's still the coach there. Yeah, but he's like an institution there. But I don't understand why. <laughs> I've never I gotten mean, that. Um, he's never I, been very good at all. I I would be. You know, the one I would love to see, and I know this is not, no one's talking about it. There's no reason to believe this will happen, but let's be honest about how good of a coach Roy Williams is. And he's not. Carolina wouldn't hire him, though. But, oh my God, it would make me so happy. He would make me so happy. He's not quite at Carolina level, and he, he's Can you just let me enjoy this for a moment? Yes. Just for a moment. Go ahead. You heard it here first, folks. That that Roy Williams, they come to the realization that he's not a very good coach, and they get rid of him. Anyway, uh, actually, that's uh, that table. Let's put a pin in Roy Williams, uh, and first talk a little Blackwell. Yeah, it's a recurring segment we have here. We talk yeah, about the Curtis Blackwell lawsuit. That I I am increasingly convinced they should have just settled a while ago. Well, I guarantee you they tried. But we know that his legal counsel are ridiculous people, and I would bet that they were asking for some ridiculous amount of money, and they thought they'd get it eventually, and were unreasonable. So, uh, last we left you, uh, Curtis Blackwell's attorneys had filed a, or I'm sorry, rather, Mark D'Antonio and MSU's attorneys had filed um, a a motion uh, to give sanctions to the Blackwell team, which would dismiss the case and remove the two attorneys from practicing in the case, um, the two Blackwell attorneys. 
Uh, the judge ordered a show cause hearing, which is to say that Blackwell's attorneys had to prove why they should be allowed to keep the case going and why they should be allowed to practice in it. Um, the the impetus for all of this was that Curtis Blackwell's attorneys had alleged some NCAA violations as part of their case. And Mark D'Antonio, Bill Beekman, MSU and company denied these outright. Well, we recorded and then, oh boy, oh boy, did a doozy drop. Uh, Curtis Blackwell's attorneys attached a photo of Curtis Blackwell with Mark D'Antonio, uh, uh, what's it, Mike Tressel and Harlan Barnett, uh, Harlan Barnett at the home of a five-star recruit that, uh, Curtis Blackwell would not be allowed to be there and, um, doesn't look good. Doesn't look good. No, it doesn't look good, but it's also still not some kind of major violation. So correct. So yeah, let's actually segregate this first in terms of the case. Uh, does not look good, and is um, a way that they will be able to call into question the credibility of Mark D'Antonio's testimony. Yeah, this is worse for the case than it is for the football. MSU. Program. Yes. Um, from a um. From your your internet sleuths out there, shut down this photoshopping nonsense. Yeah. Uh the the consequences for photoshopping a picture and submitting it to a judge would be so enormous. <laughs> Their livelihood would be ruined. Yes. So I I mean you might think they've latched themselves to a golden goose here. But I assure you, they did not do that. <laughs> yes. Um, so I, I just want to be, let's just shut this down. There are plenty of ways. So actually, I want to also address the perjury thing. Mm-hmm. People are thrown around, including Blackwell's attorneys, the perjury word. And um, some may say or may think that if you say something that is untrue under oath, that means you've perjured yourself. And that is an overly simplistic view of court and of life. And I, <laughs> I, like, I, I would ask you, if, uh, if you had to go play trivia at a bar, and before playing trivia, you swore an oath to tell only the truth and nothing but the truth, and then you submitted a wrong answer, did you perjure yourself? Like, it, it, is, it is conceivable in life, much like in a deposition, to not remember something and to have a memory that is inconsistent with reality. Mm-hmm. If you want another example in a legal context, look at conflicting descriptions that will often come with uh, an accused. Mm-hmm. Multiple people will see a crime occur, and multiple people will give different versions of what that person looked like under oath under oath <laughs> and 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 so just because someone says something i mean it, mark d'antonio has visited how many recruits how many times of each of those recruits and i know uh 
there are some people out there uh, on a rival podcast slash radio show who are saying, I would remember something like that. I guarantee you, you wouldn't. That if you visited hundreds of recruits and each of them multiple times, you're not necessarily going to remember every single visit. Yeah. And indeed, you know, so I'm, I'm curious to see how this all plays out. It's, it's entirely possible that there is a very plausible explanation, explanation for why it happened. But let's, we're not homers here in the sense that it's a violation. What sure. they did is a violation. And this is not good for Mark D'Antonio's case. It, it calls into question the credibility of the rest of his testimony because he can't remember this. So how can he necessarily remember anything else accurately? Like, that's the argument you make. But from a, a sanction standpoint, this is a nothing burger. Yeah. Uh, someone bring me a bunch of other photos like this, and then I will say, A, Mark D'Antonio perjured himself because he would have shown he was... In the habit almost, of... of Almost certainly lying then because there would yeah. be you have to prove that someone actively lied like they chose to deceive. And so there's just not proof for that here. And so while this is not great, it's also not terrible. So that's your status update on Curtis Blackwell. And uh, Kevin, we have another not a sponsor before we get to Twitter questions. I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. I love not a sponsors. Do you want to do this one or should I? Uh, you got this one. I'll get the last one. Okay. Uh, this episode of Can't Read, Can't Write is not, again, not, brought to you by Indiana and North Carolina basketball, who would like you to remember that the tournament isn't that great. Honestly, who needs it? That's a big pass for us, dog. You think that just because we have untold systematic advantages, it means we <laughs> want to go every year? Nah, we'll take that time on the beach, thanks. So while all y'all losers play basketball, we'll be putting out the vibe. So... <laughs> Unless, of course, the NCAA asks us to play, then maybe as a courtesy, we'll consider it. Also, going 23 years in a row? Come on, guys. It was boring. Forget that noise. Can't read, can't write. North Carolina and Indiana basketball. Hashtag uh, blue blood? Question mark? Yeah. <laughs> I do think Indiana might be playing themselves into the tournament, but, uh, but not guaranteed. Not yet. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Uh, all right, uh, let's get into Twitter questions. First up, Raymond Chains. Which person recruited to the football team will be the biggest difference maker in terms of wins and, lo- wins and losses? Uh, quarterback. I mean, that's easy, right? <laughs> quarterback. Oh, I think, I think it means who's actually been recruited. Oh. Um. And, and he may be talking about the 2020 class, but let's include 2019 just for sake of including people who may actually be playing more next year god so now what i've got to bring up the 2019 recruiting class do you have one for this so yeah i'll i'll take a a stab um all right i'm like i'm gonna fanboy here for a second yeah go ahead uh julian barnett let's hear about it well so i yeah julian julian barnett is my answer uh though i do i do hope and expect for Devonte dobbs to take a big step if you're looking at next year's class, I don't know that he's going to be taking uh, first team reps, but Darius Snow is someone that um, the recruiting sites have linked to the linebacker position. Well, he is definitely a safety and, and is sort of declaredly a safety. 
Mel Tucker's defense is going to have a position that is a hybrid linebacker safety role. But, and so, but not a bandit, right? <laughs> not not a, bandit. a bandit. For those of you who don't remember John L., my God, the bandit. Anyway, so I would look to uh, Darius Snow as someone who, and again, he may not be getting the primary reps on here, but as someone who, who can and probably will occupy that role early because there won't be someone coming in with the athleticism and the size, sort of tweener size that's necessary for that role. So that'd be my pick. I'm going to go with Jaden Reed transfer from Western wide receiver. Sure. That's an easy and yeah, that's a good solid pick. Solid pick. Um, next question from Raymond Chains. Are you a Tigers fan or have the nature of uh, Major League Baseball along with managerial incompetence uh, severed that cord? So this is take- a reference to uh, MLB commissioner and his choices surrounding the Astros, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I am a Tigers fan, uh, although I firmly believe that it is the obligation of professional sports teams to win for me to pay any attention to them at all. So (laughs) I will go the couple times a year where it's convenient until such time that they put a product on the field worth watching. Uh, But I I like a good Tigers game. I like going down to America Park. Uh, What about you? So if I have to root for an American League team, I will root for the Tigers. But that league is garbage. <laughs> Play a pure game. Uh, I am born and I raised. Like, I like watching pitchers just take pitches and not do anything. Hey, there thing. are pitchers who can hit. And uh, my team, San Francisco Giants, had one Arf. who could hit. So Arf. No one cares. I, yeah, whatever i'm just saying um but i'm with grek that look i mean for a while there it was like i only cared every other year that's less true now i mean it's a long season it's just a long season and listening listening to baseball is is great and therapeutic going to games mm-hmm. is, is great and, and relaxing yeah but i'm not gonna get amped up about baseball um, and I love the sport. It is a great sport, underrated. But no, I can't like I can't die hard on MLB. It's great to have a baseball game like on while you're doing other things. That's exactly. fantastic. It's great on the radio. Love mm-hmm. baseball on the radio. Um, next up from Raymond, staying on topic, is Bull Durham the greatest baseball film, or even the great American movie? Costner, minor league baseball, and Sarandon are iconic. Hmm. Um, I think, I mean, for this question to even the, the premise of it assumes that we take Sandlot and set it aside, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, which I, I think, yeah, Sandlot is pretty entrenched in sort of Americana. At this point. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the whole I mean, just, first half of the movie is just a celebration of America. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, so I actually would disagree. In that, for me, this is probably a trope of some sort, but Field of Dreams is my baseball film. And mm. I know it's not a baseball film in the sense that Bull Durham is a baseball film, but um, there is something about Fathers and Sons that when I watch Field of Dreams, I got to call my dad and just tell him that I'm thinking of him. So um, for me, Field of Dreams is, is my, my baseball movie. When do you uh, anticipate you and 
you and Blake will get out in the yard and have a catch. Ooh. How how many years? Uh, probably this summer I will throw the ball at him, and okay. if he catches it, he catches it. If not, <laughs> well, that's rough. <laughs> do you have a, Do you have a little mitt for him? Oh no, he just just have to barehand it. Oh okay. And again, if he doesn't, just you know, uh, I didn't do that. I think we got to get him a little baby mitt, baby one to grow into. It, like yeah. a nice oversized mitt is a very like American boy image to me. Anyway, tell me more about the images of American boys that you. Enjoy. All right, you, we all know that I was talking about Norman Rockwell type stuff, and you got to go take it there. <laughs> all right, next up from Jer Bear. Uh, what recent movie or show are you looking forward to catching up on once it becomes the off season? I I think everyone's gonna judge me for mine, so you go first. Uh, so the thing that I've been saving is Silicon Valley, the last season. Um, big fan of the show and have enjoyed it. I enjoy rewatching it. Uh, I don't rewatch it as often as say I rewatch The Office or Parks and Rec, but um. I've been saving the last season for when I can actually kind of really binge it. And uh, so that's what I've got on tap. It's good. It's really good. I watched it. Uh, you've got a lot to look forward to. It ends with a bang. Does a great job. Uh, I never finished Burning Bad and I have to do that at some point. But we can move on to uh, Michael O'Brien. First time questioner, I believe. I, I can't get into Breaking Bad. I'm going to say it on air. I don't think it's a good show. Whoa. Michael okay. O'Brien asks, <laughs> shots fired, come at me. we just leave it out there like that. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Mad Men, I'm there too. Yeah, um, Mad Men's boring. All right. Go ahead. My, Michael O'Brien says, thoughts on the tight ends coach. What's his relationship to Mel Tucker? There we go. So we teased this earlier. Care to answer? So I'm actually uh, interested and, and kind of excited about this hire. Um because it seemed like a bit of a step down. My understanding is that um, he was the the wide receiver and passing game coordinator for Wisconsin. So a move to tight ends coach seems a bit like a step down, at least in the sense that he's losing a coordinator title. Um, But I assume that's a money decision. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Say what you will about Wisconsin, but they know a thing or two about blocking, and we could use some of that at the tight end position. Uh, His relationship to Mel Tucker, I don't know, Uh, but Mel Tucker obviously played at Wisconsin, so you know I I assume that he stayed connected in one way or another to the program. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, I'm sure we'll hear more human interest stories about this as we get into media days and those types of things when we get to sit down. And Michael O'Brien is available, which only happens a few times a year. Uh, yeah, my understanding of most college football teams is that assistant coaches do not go in front of the media that frequently at all. But there will be these types of questions, and we'll get to hear about this story. Uh, next up from uh, and last up from CT and TC, what professional teams do you root for? I think my approach to professional teams may be fairly relatable to people on this podcast. I I root for teams that have Spartans on them, uh, provided the yep. Spartans are doing well. So 
I I think it's a product of being a MSU fan in the state of Michigan where it's professional teams other than the aforementioned Tigers. And if I had to pick one particular pro team, it might be the Tigers that I would choose. Um, that, you know, I'll watch the Warriors to see Dre play. You know, I'll watch San Antonio yeah. to see uh to see what's his name? Put Bryn. his shots. Yeah, Bryn Forbes. Um, can't watch, can't watch the, uh, bulls anymore because Valentine's not playing. Um, but you know, it, that is sort of how I consume professional sports is seeing how the guys that I watched in green and white do professionally. What about you? Um, I already mentioned it's the San Francisco giants. That's for professional sports that's it because i'm with you don't care about the nfl unless there's a spartan on the team don't care about the nba at all um unless there's a spartan on the team uh and my time about caring about the nhl passed long ago so (laughs) sorry jerry bear i do Um, definitely keep up though with the nfl and the nh or in the uh, nba about what's going on so um anyway as we were yeah. Uh, next up from CT and TC is what's your favorite MSU basketball jersey? We discussed this before the recording, uh, and we actually came up with the same thing. The state script is the best MSU basketball jersey, preferably white with green script. Uh, that's it. You scrambled to come up with a second option, which is. But as soon as I saw it, it is the Michigan Ag- Agricultural College jerseys the mac yeah that uh, those actually were pretty rad uniforms and i i mean i agree the script is fantastic but um i'm not saying it's a close second but that second is above anything else that i would pick and i know that's probably sacrilege in light of uh you know the the commemorative jerseys they they wore recently but that that jersey i i think is very cool there was a time when there was a high end uh, apparel place on campus, uh, not on campus, on Grand River. This was shortly after we graduated. This would have been like 2010, 2011. I don't even remember what it was called, but they sold a sweater with an MAC, like not necessarily embroidery on it, but like a, it was like a green sweater with the MAC on it. And I wanted it bad. But it cost like 80 bucks at a time when <laughs> I did not have, have the scratch to go spending on uh, very nice college sweaters. Um, still paying off those student loans at that time. So uh, never happened. Kind of been on the lookout for it after. Uh, it was more like a patch for the MAC, which I don't think it sure. even exists. But anyway, uh, I love the MAC look. I love the state script. And those are very easy choices. Yeah. Uh, last question from CT and TC, which is a good one. Best non MSU basketball jerseys in the big 10. Well, I got ones that I really don't like. Like, I really don't like that cow catcher shape thing that Purdue has going on on their Jersey. <laughs> I think that's garbage. Uh, everything about Purdue basketball irks me. Boiler up irks me. The personalities on that team irk me. Uh, everything about Purdue is not, is not great. Northwestern Gothic makes me throw up a little bit in my mouth that that Gothic script that they've adopted for some reason that I just do not understand. 
I guess if I had to choose something, there are Indiana candy cane warmups in this house that I see. And I guess if I had to choose something, that would probably be it. Cream and crimson. I don't know. It feels like a cop out. What about you? Yeah. So I was, I was trying to think of, of this. So I, I think the Illinois script was a pretty slick Jersey. Um, it, it, notice the theme here. The, the, the script is, is slick. Uh, but I do, it made me start thinking about Illinois. And while I don't think these jerseys are amazing, uh, it did uh, remind me of when D Brown was at Illinois and just that, how overwhelming the orange seemed there. I mean, it is both in like boldness of color and the fly in a line eye uh, were, were. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they, I mean, they ran so fast and they pressed. Like, I don't know how they weren't doing shift changes like hockey. I mean, a lot of respect to those teams. Also, I, basketball jerseys at that time were billowing. So it was like <laughs> yes, yes, five orange tarps out on the court. <laughs> but yeah, so if I had to pick one from our, our college time, I would say those just stood out because, and it probably just was by virtue of their play seemed to really dominate the, the sort of the eye, but, uh, the script Illinois, I think also looks pretty slick. So, uh, yeah, the, that would be my choice if I had to pick something. And with that, uh, before we preview the game, we've got a, not a sponsor here. So this episode of can't read, can't write is not brought to you by sport clips in Stillwater, Oklahoma. (laughs) Who wants to let you know, we've heard you. We're here to meet your demand. After hiring a brand new stylist, we're here to offer you a $10 Gundy special. On football Saturdays, you can come into Sport Clip Stillwater and make sure your mullet is looking your finest for only $10. So, with that, folks, Can't Read, Can't Write would like to invite you into Sport Clips in Stillwater, Oklahoma to get that mullet checked up on. Fresh. Yeah, Mm. fresh to death. (laughs) Kevin... We got a couple games to preview. Iowa and Maryland. First, talk to me about Iowa. We do, yeah. So here you go. This is your chance, Spartan fans. Luca Garza is coming to town. Uh, in case you're unaware, Luca Garza is probably leading for Big Ten Player of the Year. No disrespect to Cash. Maybe uh, National Player of the Year. Maybe National. Dude is having a go of it. And his team, the Hawkeyes, are very efficient on offense. Uh, they, they play very well, uh, scoring the ball. They play very not well defending the ball. So if MSU, I mean, this is some hard hitting analysis, but MSU is going to need to score itself, uh, out of this game because Iowa's was going to find its shots. Um, they just beat Ohio state at home. So they're on a bit of a streak, but they also have losses this month to Indiana and Purdue. So I think this is a very winnable game and one that MSU would very much like to have because at this point you need to start, you know, piling up those tier one wins and making it a better, you know, seeding in the tournament. Uh, Speaking of which, Iowa is Ken Palm 22 for what that's worth right now. Uh, We talked about it earlier on the podcast. There's like a lot of Big Ten teams sort of in that range. And uh, I think... I, we don't have the line yet, correct? We're recording Sunday night, and that would no. come out 
tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow. Uh, but it is the second to last home game of the year. Kind of coming down to the end of it. It may be the last home game that I get to go to, unfortunately. So uh, get out to Breslin Center. Watch this team. I know it's been frustrating at times, but Cash's Winston has two home games left, uh, which is yeah very difficult to say. And MSU is inexplicably favored by ESPN, eighty-one to nineteen percent, according to their their Basketball Power Index. Yeah, I don't hold ESPN's Basketball Power Index in very high regard, but I'll take it. Sure, eighty-one. I would if you had to make me do it, I'd be like. 65 35 or 70 30 at the highest um because i just don't trust msu's role players yet and yeah iowa can and score the ball garza shoots 40 percent from beyond the arc yeah so it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see what msu does against him so looking forward to it yeah uh so i mean we talked uh we talked to maryland recently but mm-hmm. um what do we know now that we've played them? Well, they get to deal with game day this time. It was just announced yep. today that uh, it's going to be game day again. Game day. And loves. shout out to MSU for being a big draw in the Big Ten for that. For sure. I mean, we've seen that the whole time. MSU is the biggest name on the schedule uh, every for every team that they go to. So uh, it's another eight o'clock game next Saturday. Uh I mean, we all remember what happened in that Maryland game. They scored 14 points to end it. Uh, I I thought it was clear to me that Maryland was going to win that game sort of midway through the second half. I, I don't remember. I didn't listen to the tape what we said about it. But um, even though MSU was up with, what was it, four to play, five to play? Seven uh, it, with three to play. Seven with three to play. Ugh. So I probably thought that we were stealing it at that point. But I was not surprised at all that Maryland came back and won that game. They're tough. They're imposing. You know, we know that uh that they that Anthony Cowan can get his shots. Um and they can go on runs, 14 point runs at the end of games. That's usually something MSU does to other teams, but this season it's been happening to MSU more and more. So I'm guessing though, at the end of this one. MSU has a chance to win it. The question is, will they finally start taking advantage of these opportunities? Again, I'm kind of disinclined to say that they will. I got now, faith on this one. I got faith on this one. I, it would be very nice if MSU won one of at Maryland at Penn State, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, no. But I, I, I think, I think this is a team that has turned a corner. I don't know why I have zero, zero facts to back that up. But for whatever reason, I think we got this one. Okay. You heard it here, folks. Whatever the line is, bet it. Because Maryland's going to be favored. So, yeah. Bet yeah. it. Um, you got the Mike Jones special on this one. <laughs> and that is not insured, uh, much like uh, Rocket Watts' play. So, you know. Do what you want with that. I have yeah, zero facts to back it up. It's all gut. Speaking MSU's of Anthony got this Cowan one. and Rocket Watts, man. Oh, my God. Went ghostier than Gabe Brown. Yes, he did. <laughs> anyway, uh, Greg, unless you got anything else, I, I think that uh, that calls it a day. 
I think we covered it. We had some not as sponsors. We had we covered some games that were. We covered some games that will be. And uh, I think I th- I'm gonna give us a, a good podcast ranking. Yeah. So if if all of you could give this the five stars it deserves, if you're not gonna give it five stars, just don't don't rate it. Just yeah. don't. We're in a uh, silent rivalry with uh, the green room, Detroit's green room. So if you could help us out with that, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we, we thank you all for listening. And as always, Grekers, go green. Jonesy, go white, my man. Have a good one, everyone.